SENZ on a Thursday afternoon. It's four minutes past one with Stephen McKay from producer Brian Head till two o'clock this afternoon. Going to talk to Giancarlo Italiano. He's the Wellington Fenders coach at half past one. But right now our focus goes firmly back on motorsport. Starting next weekend at the Tulpo International Motorsport Park is the, the first round of the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceania Series. Yep. Much easier just to say CT Frock. One of the leading teams is M Tech Motorsport, and the team boss is Bruin Beasley, who joins me right now. Happy New Year, Bruin. Happy New Year to yourself, and thanks for having me. Well, well, I haven't spoken to you. It would be what two years? Is it two or three years since we sort of got this thing going? Or was it last year? No. Yeah, twenty twenty was the last year that we were allowed into the country before we were locked out with the whole COVID scenario and. Um, I made a quick appearance last year at the Grand Prix, but uh, this is the first full year for a while. Are you excited to get back the, the team back and running around the tracks of New Zealand? Oh, look, it's fantastic. It's something that you know I live for every year, and um, it's been a bit of a challenge, obviously, with what's happened. But I'm really excited. I love it. You know, it's just probably the best thing I do all year. Supercars and everything else is like secondary to it, to be honest. So talk to me about the team that you are fielding this week. I spoke to Elliot Cleary this morning, who you you know pretty well. How good is this kid? Uh, he's actually very good. He's relatively inexperienced when it comes to open wheeler stuff, but um, he's one of those kids who's actually driven. He wants to do it. You know, he doesn't come from a motorsport background, uh, which makes it makes a massive difference. He's really hungry, and he's actually very good. I think he's going to be the surprise pack of the series, to be honest. Oh well, well, I know you're supposed to say that as a team manager, but you've seen a lot of race car drivers going around. Is the kid a natural? Yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, I was even talking to someone yesterday who worked with him with some former Ford stuff, and they said, you know, like, he's actually really good, isn't he? I said, yeah, you know, he is. He's, he's actually really good, and he's he's just hungry, too, and that passion and that drive he with his natural ability, he's going to be very good. You know, I think out of all the guys I've dealt with recently, he's probably the pick of the crop. Uh, he's, he's raced Trans Ams. When you were with uh, Team 18, you gave him a crack in a Gen 3 supercar. Did you feel it was a little early at 17, or does he's just got it? Look, I think it's, I mean, it's always, it's a, a balance between age and experience, but I think they've got to start early, they've got to understand it. I mean, everything they do usually is a two or three year program, so getting him into a supercar early was, I think, beneficial to understand what he, what he needs in the future. So well, it was only a ride day, so it was only limited, but um wasn't too early. I think he's ready. I think this year, um, with his two or three programs he's got running, he'll, at the end of the year, he'll be in a really good situation to, to forward forward. Bruin, who else are you running this this season? Um, so we've got to announce. We've got obviously Lucas Fikuri from um, okay from from uh, Mexico. He was he, Brazil, he, he was the, he was here. Was he? He's Brazilian. He was here. What? And back in twenty twenty, uh, he was here last year. I think last year, yeah. right? Yeah, last year. And um, we've got local boy Caden, who's uh, been running around. He's an old FT fifty and a bit of former Ford stuff. So. For him, it's an introductory year to the car, but I think he's going to be good too, as long as he you know keeps out of trouble and learns. By the end of the series, he'll be quite competitive. And we've got a third driver that hasn't been announced, but it should be announced later today. Who's okay. an Australian guy, but done is uh, involved in F3. Okay, so you know you can't you can't spill it, can you? Uh, Nico Kao, the 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 uh, manager will go nuts, right? You couldn't you can't slip well, it. Well, I, I think 
I think I just better be careful, but um, <laughs> you know, by, by today, everyone, it'll be announced later today. Well, you've been in the game thirty odd years in the world of motor racing. A lot of single seaters, and you, of course, you were manager at Erebus Motorsport. You've been there at a Team Eighteen and Supercars as well. When you look at this championship and what it's done, and the drivers it's produced, where does it stack up globally? Look, it's it, it, it's a bit of a funny story isn't it, for me. When I first, I, I, I did a round in 2010, I think, um, at uh, Invercargill, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And when I came back for the first full time in 2015, I suddenly realised that on the global scale, it's really quite important. Um, I didn't realise, and I suppose you don't until you get involved, that it's so highly regarded, and everyone in Europe in open wheelers looks at it as part of their path. So for me, I describe it as the closest thing to being in Europe without being in Europe. And when you have the likes of Lando Norris and you know, at one stage Damon Hill and uh, Yuki Sonoda. And Sonoda and, you know, you're standing in pit lane next to Nelson PK and you think, wow, you know, this is actually quite quite special. And I think, you know, for me, it's it's the ultimate. I, I just love it. It's, it's high level. It's high standard. It's cool. And it's relevant, um, and you can't get past that. When it's, it's actually completely relevant to everything else that's going on in the world, is where some of the other categories in the in the region, you know, don't have any relevance to anything other than what they're doing, you know, in the home market. Do you think though that it could also be a little misleading? And I say misleading when when we know how it, everybody, a lot of young men want to be and women want to be Formula One drivers, but that's almost it. Almost seems the unobtainable now, and there's no real. Well, open wheel format that really they can aspire to. I mean, F two, F three, and and maybe Super Formula. Where, where do you stand on this? Yeah, look, I think there, you know, there's a bit of truth in that statement. But the reality is, you look at Liam, for example. You know, he he has got that career path and got that Red Bull support because of this series. You know, what he what he did. Um, Red Bull took notice and said, "Well, who is this kid? You know, we need to be part of that." So. There is a dream and it is achievable, but it's hard. But I think the biggest thing I, I say to people at this series is that if you do this, you do the five weeks, it's intense. You know, there's a lot of learning. There's all the race starts. There's all those qualifying laps. All that stuff's relevant to whatever you do. So whatever you do post this series, you're going to be this series we benefit for it. You know, you walk away from this series a much better race car driver and a much better person as far as, you know, it's hard. You watch kids do the first couple of rounds and it's all good. Then they get to the third round and they're back in the car again on the on the Thursday and only had two or three days off and then all of a sudden it starts to be quite challenging. So it really makes or breaks some kids and I think that's important because it's part of their growth. It's their mental growth and their ability to drive a race car is part of it. But all that other stuff in other series, you get two or three weeks off, sometimes a month off. This series, you don't. You're back in the car Thursday and you've got to perform again. And that's important. I think that every single kid that leaves this series, whether they win races or not, is a better driver for it. Yeah, do they stand up calling you Uncle, Uncle Bruin by the end of it? Nah, normally it's just the old bloke in the corner that's grumpy. <laughs> yes, I, yes, no, I have, I have seen you grumpy in Pitlander on a couple of, only a couple of occasions. Uh, who, when you look at the people that you've been involved with, drivers that you've been involved with, who is the, who is the best one? Who is the best one that just, just everything about it? It's really hard to say. And it's pretty unfair, isn't it? Because it, what I've found is that there's. Every driver is unique in their own way, and some kids are very good at some parts, and some kids are very good at other parts. 
So it's probably unfair to make a statement like that. But some of the standouts, you know, along the course, and it, it doesn't matter what category, you know, mm. we, a bit of, we did a little bit of stuff with Stop McLaughlin really early on in former Ford. You know, he yep. was really good. Um, you know, James Moffat, for example, yeah. he just hungry. You know, he all he ever wanted to do is a race car driver and what he lacked, I suppose, in some natural ability he made up in all the other stuff and was successful. And so, you know, it's really hard to describe to anyone who is better than the next bloke yeah. because they're all different. And I think what's important and what makes a really good race car driver is hunger, want, but also the intelligence to want to understand it and learn it and be part of the be a, a student of the game because if you if you just walk in and get in and drive and say oh what's next you know it's it's, it's not going to be a, a path to success you actually got to understand it a bit and want to understand it and live and dream it. Do, do you see McLaughlin winning an IndyCar title? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's good enough. He's um, and you know you've got to give him credit. Part of that want and hunger, you know, he, he was king of the kids, and he's gone to a whole new, whole new skill set, and, and having a crack, and he's successful at it. So, if if he's prepared to to leave, you know, the home environment, and the safety of all that, and go and take on something like that, he's going to succeed. Of course, he is because he's hungry. There's more changes in Australian motorsport because I see F4 Australian F4 returns, which is a similar car, if I'm correct to the FT60. Is MTech Motorsport diving in deep there? Do you think it's worthwhile to dive into? Look, we, now we've discussed it, and I think I think the series will be successful. I think there's enough in the region to make it work. Will we do it? It's hard. You know, it's hard to, to gear up for a whole new series when, I mean, the challenge I have is that there are some teams who will get involved who can subsidise drivers. And once that starts to happen, I can't do that. And I'm not in a yep. situation to say, okay, you're the best driver, I need you, but I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to do it for free. So once you've got some people involved who can subsidise drives, it makes it really difficult to be competitive without doing the same thing. So, and, you know, one thing I've learned over the years is if the numbers don't stack up, I'm not going to do it. You know, the reality is I've got to still pay. The kids have still got to go to school and I've still got to put petrol in the car. So if I if I can't make it financially work, you know, I'm not going to do it. What do you think is the state of supercars at the moment? Well, that's a challenging question, isn't it? Um, I think, I personally think they've got some work to do. I think there's some challenges there. And I think that... Um, you know, they are the elite level of most sport in this country or in Australia. But I think there's some work to do. Okay, so let, let's let's break it on down. It was supposed to be cheaper to run Gen 3s. It would appear it's just as expensive, if not more expensive, than the Gen 2 cars. A- am I right? And where have they got it wrong on the, on the Gen 3 car? Look, I think the running costs are probably a little bit less. You know, the engine costs and things like that are less. The the car build costs is probably a little bit more. Um, where do they get it wrong, in my opinion? I think they make the cars too complicated. You know, I don't think they need to be as complicated as they are. I think they could be a lot more simple. They could be a lot... There could be less generic... Sorry, more generic parts and less bespoke parts. I think they, you know, they've all gone down a path where everything's very bespoke. And, you know, they're cool cars, but... Could they could they have used more generic parts? They probably could have. They probably could have made it a little bit cheaper to build, a little less complicated. Okay. The other the other big talking point, of course, 
is um, is the fact that the drivers seem to just uh, lack a little bit of personality with what's going on. Do you, do you feel that they need to really change the image from a driver's perspective? Because I feel, I feel like there's no real stars there at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I, I, look, you know, there's an old saying that um, what's the definition of madness and insanity? Doing the same thing and expecting a different result, isn't there? So I think... I think they could definitely do some changes there. I think they need to change it up a bit. And I think there are some personalities. There's some cool, you know, there's some good people in that series who, you know, people could follow and get behind and be excited to. So I think they do. They need to concentrate on them more. And, you know, to be fair, some of the team owners and some of the team principals, do they need to be the star? Probably not. Does the driver need to be? Probably so, yes. Do you, do you think supercars is in a little bit of bother? Do you think it's people are, are getting tired of it? Uh, look, I think, um, I suppose from my point of view, I think what they need to do is have a better understanding of, their, of the market they're trying to get to. The market's changing and has been changing for a few years now. So, you know, a 17-year-old kid um, isn't excited by a V8 Commodore anymore because they can't buy them. They're not relevant to them. So I think there's some challenges there to understand the market. There's some challenges to probably attract the, the new generation through because, you know, things are different than what they were 10 years ago. You mentioned Liam Lawson before and, and how Red Bull picked him up all that time when he was overtaking on the outside in the West in Highlands and they picked him up. Uh, when, do you think he gets a chance sooner or later in F1? Do you think if Checo doesn't perform in the first, let's say, four rounds, he's gone and... Liam will end up with the AlphaTauri driving their Porsche Ricardo into Red Bull? Look, you know, I'm not privy to all the personal stuff, but my opinion is I think that's possibly a realistic view on it. I think Liam's proven over and over again that he's capable and he's extremely talented and he does a really good job. So I think they, if, reading between the lines, if... If there wasn't a path offered to him, you know, he would have gone and done something else by now. So I think there's definitely an opportunity in in the short term, and that might be sooner than later. But I think you know, there's definitely going to be something for him because he deserves it. Okay, where do you see F1 at the moment? And as a team manager, you must be feeling for uh, Gunter Steiner. He got the sack uh, overnight from Haas. But where do you think F1 is at as far as a competitive series is? Look, I think you know it's, it's the most popular, one of the most popular sports in the world at the moment. So, whatever they're doing is working. You know, it's they've attracted the the younger generation. They've attracted the female demographic. You know, there's really good things. And my, my daughter worked at Albert Park in one of the um, merchandise stands, and the amount of people that came up and said, "Look, you know, I, I'm not a Formula One person, but I, I love it. It's going to be here. What, who should I support? What colour should I buy?" You know, should I buy an orange one or a red top? What do, what do I do? So they've done a really good job of attracting new people to the, to the let's call it a sport, because they're there to see the sport and the atmosphere and the whole show. The competitiveness, you know, like Red Bull, obviously clearly the best, um, but it's a technically driven category, isn't it? And the popularity doesn't seem to be waning because one team's winning. So as a show, they're doing a really good job. As a motorsport purist, could it be more competitive? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Fair, fair play. All right, Brent, I'm going to leave you alone because you're going to have to put up with my face for five weeks in a row around the track. So it is always it is always good to talk to you. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you and also seeing how your young guns go in the uh, CT Frock this season. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. Thanks for your time.